What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and you are listening to episode 84. Before we dive in, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make this show possible. Today's show is made possible by Choose Happiness. Choose Happiness is a social enterprise and business bringing wholesome, eco-friendly, sustainably sourced, organic, handcrafted creations to America's dogs, all while supporting indigenous herders and small farmers in developing countries. Choose Happiness offers delicious, decadent, macaroon-like doggy desserts called Barkaroons that contain wonderful ingredients that have been sustainably sourced. At Choose Happiness, sustainability is a top priority. Not only are the ingredients sustainably sourced, but the packaging is made from recycled paper and reclaimed cotton with no plastic. On top of that, they offset the carbon they do generate, and they give back, donating a minimum of 1% of revenue to animal rescue and another 1% for the planet. I've been a dog mom for a long time, and I can't tell you how hard it is to find treats that don't come wrapped in tons of plastic. I love that with Choose Happiness, I don't have to worry about the footprint my dog treats are leaving behind, especially when it comes to waste. Oh, and did I mention that Choose Happiness supports small farmers, beekeepers, women's cooperatives, small dairy farmers, and indigenous herders? So many things to love about this brand. So use the link in the show notes to purchase your pup some Choose Happiness dog treats today and receive a free dog toy with the purchase of two treat boxes. That's Choose, C-H-E-W-S, Happiness. Link in the show notes. Well, we are back with Melanie Jackson this week to talk more about an epidemic in our country. That's homelessness. We've all seen it. We all know it's a prevalent problem no matter where we live, but sometimes it feels like the problem is way too big to solve. What are we supposed to do about it? That's what Melanie is back to talk about this week. Last week in part one, we talked about the organization she started to serve friends without an address, and if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to part one first. This week, Melanie is sharing more generally about homelessness in America and what it's really like to live on the streets. She's also giving tips on what we can do to make a difference, whether it's getting involved with an organization or what to do when someone asks us for money. I loved all the advice Melanie had for us, and I think you will find it so, so helpful in solving a crisis that needs our attention. As I always say, I believe that collectively we can make a difference, and Melanie proves that to be true. While you're listening, would you consider leaving a rating and a review for the show? I talk about this every week, but did you know that less than 3% of listeners actually do this? It's such a sad statistic, so please help me to beat the numbers. Ratings and reviews help more people to find the show, and it helps those in need because I donate $2 for every review I receive. Leave a review and also make sure you subscribe so that you know when my next episode is out. Alright friends, here is part 2 of my conversation with Melanie. So I want to kind of switch gears if we can and talk kind of more about the topic of homelessness just in our country, I think, because, you know, it's so cool to hear about See You at Home and the transformation stories. But obviously, you know, people listening are living all over the country and all over the world even. I have listeners in other countries and homelessness is an issue that affects us all in some way, shape or form. Like it's a global issue issue you know it's not just in America but I'm wondering if you can I I want I want to talk about this because I think it's something that people always wonder about like no matter where you go you can find it and so it's like oh man you know I think we all feel at least I know I do like convicted when I see someone without an address because it's it's just so sad and it's something where you always want to help but maybe you don't know how um, or the best thing to do so I want to talk about that but First, can you tell us maybe, um, you talked about Champaign-Urbana and Colorado Springs. Can you tell us a little bit more about homelessness in America just in general? Like, again, I don't know if you have any statistics that you'd want to share, but maybe just give us kind of an overview 
of this, I don't know if you'd call it like a crisis or an epidemic, but that's kind mm. of what it seems like to me, but maybe that's not the right term to use. Homelessness is, it's a tragedy in our country. It's, it's simply a tragedy that we yeah. don't have a roof and a bed for every person. M many folks believe mm -hmm. that housing is actually a right, something that each person deserves. And that kind of mm -hmm. goes back to that housing first model that everyone should at least have that minimum available to them. The yeah. numbers are, are huge, <laughs> you know, depending on where you are in the country. Some people who are in a homeless situation actually migrate. You know, if they're from the northern areas, they'll go down where it's warmer in the south and then come back, you know, to where home yeah. is, to where the people are. Mm -hmm. So the numbers don't stay consistent, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make is that mm -hmm. in any one location, there are always people coming in and going out. Mm -hmm. One large segment of people who are in a homeless situation Many of our friends without an address are veterans, mm -hmm. and that's that's truly sad. Many suffering from PTSD, yeah, and just unable to function maybe in a shelter environment. Mm -hmm. Who have other mental health issues on top of PTSD, or mm -hmm. medicate with alcohol or with heroin, mm -hmm. and. It really takes ministries, organizations who are committed to the long-term assistance of people or, or at least a true continuum of care, that there is an emergency shelter, but there's a next step that they can go to, kind of a graduated series of assistance for people to help them really break the cycle of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Many times people have a preconception that everyone in a homeless situation is either addicted or mentally ill or both. Though it is prevalent, though many folks fight those demons, not everyone does. Sometimes it's a financial situation. Sometimes mm -hmm. a person loses a job and can't pay the mortgage, can't pay the rent, and then they stay in their car for a while. Mm -hmm. There are so many people staying in vehicles on Walmart parking lots, in used car parking lots where they won't be seen. Mm -hmm. Moms and kids, kids getting out of the back seat going to school who slept in the car last night. Mm -hmm. There are also hundreds of thousands of teenagers of people who are crashing on somebody's couch today, this week, until they get asked to leave. Mm -hmm. Those are all aspects of homelessness. If you don't have an address, if you don't have an electric bill in your name, you know, there are different kinds of, of homelessness. And See You at Home continues to focus on the most vulnerable, those who are living in a homeless situation under the stars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, PTSD and other mental illnesses are, I guess, from what you know, is that kind of the leading cause of homelessness? Or is it hard to say? Is it more like just a variety of things? 
each of our friends without an address who finds himself or herself in that situation has an entire constellation of reasons why they ended up in that situation. It's like any of us with our, our whole life situation, what happened to us when we were a kid. Maybe mm -hmm. that is something that prompted us to be in a situation where we can't keep a job because we were mm -hmm. abused when we were a child. One statistic that I found interesting about homelessness is that many, many people who end up in a homeless situation went through the foster care system. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a dad or they didn't have a mom who could care for them for whatever reason. And, you know, this led to that and that led to another thing. And then that led to them losing housing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a combination of scenarios that probably most of which were not their choices that led them to this point. Do you feel like from what you've seen, do you feel like sometimes there's like a misconception that it was like a series of bad decisions on a person's part that led them to be in the situation they're in? Because I know, I mean, it depends on who you talk to, of course, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of people who would stereotype folks without an address as being criminals or, you know, just being yes. addicts and people with issues. Is that fair to yes. say? Yes. You know, when I, when I started working with folks who don't have a place to live, I have a very, very strong work ethic, you know, bootstraps, mm -hmm. pull yourself up when, when you fall down, pull yourself up. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of prejudice Mm -hmm. against folks who don't have a place to live thinking, well, just, just get a job, you know, just, yeah. just make the money, just do whatever to, to solve your situation. And God really softened my heart through relationships with people living on the street, understanding that, that many of them are trying, they're trying, they've, they've got a felony in their background and when you check that felony box applying for a job, most people won't hire you, even if you're mm -hmm. qualified. So there are all kinds of situations preventing the pulling up of bootstraps. Let's put it mm -hmm. that way. <laughs> sure. And I think it's important for us, before we pass judgment on someone, to really understand their situation. And the only way you really understand their situation is to spend time with them. It's not going to happen in one conversation. It's not going to happen over one meal, buying somebody a meal, though that is very good. It's a step in the right direction. What happens mm -hmm. next week? You know, do you go hang out with them next week again and find out what's happening? That's really, really the only way to firsthand understand what someone's going through is to spend time mm -hmm. with them, to be in relationship with them. Mm hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's just like, you kind of have to remind yourself that everybody has a story. Like everybody, we're all humans, right? And mm -hmm. um, most likely this person wasn't like born into great circumstances or mm -hmm. dealt, you know, the fairest set of cards, I guess, for lack of better terms. And I feel like too, you mentioned uh, a lot of folks without an address being veterans, which I think is really, really interesting, I guess, because 
I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's all kinds of veterans, but I'm also assuming a lot of them are Vietnam veterans who were probably drafted and probably didn't want to be there. But um, I guess I haven't done like much research myself on this topic. And I don't know if you have, but do you think there's like a, I guess, failure on the part of our government for not taking better care of our veterans that do have PTSD? The VA, I've worked with the Veterans Administration in Central Illinois, and and they were doing what they could to help uh-huh. people. Yeah. And they've got their work cut out for them because sure. the numbers are so high. Yeah. So there are veterans programs that are funded by the government that are helping many, many people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to discount that at all. There are are rehabs for drug and alcohol abuse. There Mm -hmm. are mental health treatments for Mm -hmm. people suffering from PTSD, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a drop in the bucket (laughs) compared to the number of people who need the help, who Mm -hmm. have have been, many of them have been in combat situations Mm -hmm. and that just sent them into a tailspin that mm-hmm. has ended up into them sleeping, you know, by a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe just kind of a lack of prioritization to put the funding where it's needed with that, which I think is fair to say just with mental health in general with our country, yes. we, we're, we're seeing a shift, I think, but for a long time, mental health has not really been uh, prioritized and, we just don't really have adequate care. I think, you know, a lot of times people end up in the ER with mental health issues and mm-hmm. an ER nurse can't do much about that um, with what they're given. So, so that's really interesting. And then I guess if you can, um, I mean, obviously we talked about one winter night and what that experience is like, but can you maybe give us like insight into just like what it's like to live on the streets? Like what does a day in the life of someone without an address look like if you, if, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but if you don't mind kind of just giving us a picture of what that's really like. Yeah. A day, a day in the life of somebody sleeping maybe in a downtown park area. One of the things that I learned pretty quick when I was sleeping in that box during that first one winter night is all the noise. Mm-hmm. The people, the people talking, the people drunk, getting out of bars at 2 a.m. when they close. Mm-hmm. And then the garbage trucks come around, you know, 4.30, 5 a.m. So sleeping at night is not always the easiest thing. So folks, a lot of times, will try to find places to sleep in the daytime. It's just, just a part of if you're living on the streets that you wouldn't necessarily recognize that mm-hmm. it's not always quiet in a downtown during the overnight hours. Right. Folks tend to stay on the move because a lot of times they're asked to leave. No, you can't sit here any longer. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. you can't stand here any longer. And, you know, some of the some of the more friendly places were the public library. A lot of times they could go there and and take a nap, lay your head down on the desk and sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So trying to find places to be where you're not asked to leave is a part of a day in the life. Food is usually fairly available. Most communities have some kind of soup kitchen. 
or bag lunch mm -hmm. program. So that's usually, usually a time in the day when you can connect with other folks, maybe find out what's been going on, catch up with people, see what kind of resources might be there is at, at the mm -hmm. lunch table at the soup kitchen and you know things like the canteen run the canteen truck they would have snacks when they would go out at night to find people so your stop in the evening might be the canteen truck and many folks who are in a homeless situation beg for money that's what they do they they panhandle certainly not all of them but many folks who are in a homeless situation do ask others for money so that's a part of what happens mm -hmm. in Champaign-Urbana. A lot of that asking for money happens on campus because students, they tend to have a compassionate heart and, and throw a couple bucks to people as they walk by. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are just some of the parts of what someone living on the streets might go through in a day. Mm -hmm. And I do want to talk about kind of what we can do about this. But before I get to that, I thought of one more question kind of while you were talking. And this is maybe another stereotype or maybe there's some truth to it. I'm not sure. But I think I've heard it said before, like, well, some homeless people or some people without an address don't want to get out of that situation. Like they want to stay on this street. And I know I'm actually from Seattle, which has, I think, one of the largest mm. homeless populations yeah. in the country. And they it's even considered like, I think I've heard people say like homeless friendly, mm -hmm. like there are camps mm -hmm. and things like that. And so maybe can you speak into that? Like, is that is there any truth to that of people mm -hmm. who actually want to stay on the street? You know, it's tough to wrap your head around somebody who would actually desire to sleep under a bridge compared to in a bed. Some of the reasons that go into folks who prefer the outdoors are um, they don't want to obey rules. They don't want to be accountable. Mm -hmm. The money they panhandle is tax-free. You know, they, they don't pay taxes. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. a carefree kind of life, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You're on your own, you make your own decisions. And, and that is attractive. I mean, that's attractive to everyone <laughs> to not have to live yeah. by rules. And yeah, and not have to pay Uncle Sam his share. Yeah. And quite often, I think, when people say, I'm not interested in housing, it's because it is the mental illness speaking, mm -hmm. or it is the alcohol speaking. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll tell you about one person, kind, kind of tell you his story. The first three years CU at Home was getting started, we did a large survey of the population in a homeless situation in Champaign. Two, three hundred people would go through this survey. And one of the questions we asked them is, are you interested in housing? And this particular person <laughs> I'm looking at his picture on my wall, uh -huh. actually. Norm said no. He said no, I'm not interested. And, you know, a couple years later, building relationship with him, and it was the alcohol talking when he answered that. We, we were able to help him, and he actually died of cancer. He was living in one of our houses, had no idea. He had a tumor on his lower spine. He just all of a sudden couldn't walk one day. Oh, my gosh. And... Norm said, no, I don't want any help. 
but it was the alcohol speaking. He didn't really mean it. Mm -hmm. That And that's something that people do think a lot is, well, you know, I am not going to spend my time talking to this person or give them money because they are probably not responsible with it. They're probably not right in the head or they're, they're probably an alcoholic. So, like, why waste your time or why waste your money? You know, I think there are plenty of people who think that. And even people who maybe do want to help but have heard, I know I've heard before, like, well, you're re- you really shouldn't give them money because, like, that doesn't help mm. their situation at all. And let, 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 Can I speak to that? Yeah, yeah, please do. About panhandling because my thoughts about this have kind of been up, down, and all around okay. about whether whether to give money or not. Yeah. So, Initially, you know, for for several years, I said never, never money, cash. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, invite them to a meal, buy them food, sit and eat with it. Or if they need gas, yes, if you want to give them gas, get the car to a gas station, put it in the tank. Mm -hmm. Just never, never cash. And I think the Holy Spirit really kind of checked me on that. In that if he's calling you, if he's telling you <laughs> to give somebody 20 bucks or to empty your wallet, if, if the spirit is working on your heart to do that, you need to be obedient. Mm-hmm. So I would say almost never cash. Give the cash to the ministry helping them <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and spend your time with the person. But there are times when I think God prompts people to actually give cold, hard cash to someone in need. It's the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I've kind of been in the camp and maybe this isn't the right way to think, but I think sometimes people will say like, well, if I, if I'm not supposed to give them money, like I'm not even going to acknowledge them, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, if the choices are between let me give them a few dollars or let me ignore them completely, I feel like giving them a little cash is better than doing absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not the right way to look at it, but it seems like a lot of times it's like, well, I'm just going to pretend like I don't see them then and drive on by or whatever. And and that's, you know, that's another key part to this is dignity. Mm -hmm. What to do when you encounter someone asking for money or asking for help is, you know, the first thing is eye contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For goodness sakes, treat them like a human being. Sure. <laughs> and and introduce yourself. How, what would you do if you were meeting someone else for the first time? You'd put right. out your hand, take the hand, and hi, I'm Melanie. And mm-hmm. start a conversation. So dignity, mm-hmm. human dignity is so important. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And so I guess I wanted to know your recommendation, like, just as someone who has worked with people who don't have addresses for a long time, what tips can you give people even like just conversation starters or whatever it is? Because I think for a lot of people that is uncomfortable, you know, a lot of people would be nervous to put themselves out there, especially, you know, like, a female who's by themselves or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's late Mm -hmm. at night or whatever. And so, yeah, what, what recommendations or tips do you have for us if we obviously want to do something about Mm -hmm. this issue and maybe we literally don't have anything and can't buy them a meal, but maybe we get stopped on the street, someone asks us for money and what do you recommend we say? You know, maybe Mm -hmm. we're not going to give them money, but any tips on talking to someone who doesn't have an address? One cool thing that you can do with your kids 
is prepare some little baggies and keep them in your car with mm -hmm. some soft granola because teeth are sometimes an issue. Soft granola, things okay. like nail clippers, mm -hmm. <laughs> lip balm, just some basic little things in a bag and a card or a sheet folded up that has resources. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, maybe there's somebody that's new to the community and they don't really know where the soup kitchen is. Mm -hmm. So those are those are things that you can do with your kids that are great teaching moments with mm -hmm. your kids. Interact with someone. Mm -hmm. But let's say let's say you're just walking down the street and you don't you don't have one of those little bags on you. I think what I said earlier about eye contact, about introducing yourself and then about doing a whole lot more listening than talking. Mm -hmm. You'll find out pretty quick if they want to talk to you or not. And if they don't want to talk to you, don't, don't force <laughs> the issue. You know, if, if they don't want to, to share or engage, then just, you know, God bless you and, and move on or offer to pray with them or pray for them. But so much of it is being humble. Mm -hmm. And just realizing that you don't have them all figured out and, and know exactly what caused them to get here and exactly what their motive is and what their ability is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have a developmental illness or, or um, delay. You know, they aren't able to do what it looks like they could do or there's a physical illness that you can't see. Mm -hmm. You don't know that mm -hmm. until you spend time listening. Yeah. So I think dignity, eye contact, introducing yourself, and maybe just some simple leading questions about where did they grow up? You know, what part of the country? Are you from this part of the country? Are you from a different part of the country? If it lends itself to talking about family. Now, family can also be a pretty painful part of their journey. So they might not want to talk about family, mm -hmm. but small talk, sports, you know, if there's a sports team that's doing well, again, just what you would do with anybody. Yeah. You're meeting yeah. them the first time. Absolutely. And what about just because I'm trying to think of like all scenarios here for people. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what about if you are talking to someone or you know, someone's approaching you and you're pretty positive, like they're maybe under the influence of something or like it's very clear they're struggling with mental health issues. How can you, like I, in your experience, how do you still treat them with that dignity and give them a little bit of your time, but, you know, I guess ensure your safety and, and that yeah. kind of thing? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like, yeah. okay, my safety is a little bit of a concern here, but any tips on that? Yeah, that's that's a really a really good question. It's not like there's a co cookie cutter answer to that, but right. for the most most part just giving people physical distance, not getting too close, you know, leaving 5 feet between you is one thing you can do and and making sure that you don't engage in a conversation like that with someone that you think might be a threat alone. Have have yeah. a buddy have, yeah. have your cell phone at the ready. And one thing that many police departments have is a, a part of their department called CIT officers, those mm -hmm. who are crisis intervention trained officers. Okay. And they specifically 
have tools to help de-escalate someone who is in a mental health crisis. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's a great resource. Of course, they're not going to be right there with you. But if you think the person is yeah. a danger to themselves or to other people, it'd be a good idea to call 911 and let them know the status of the person and ask for a CIT officer if that department has them. Yeah, that's great to know. I didn't know about that. Really good tips. Okay. Now, what about, I feel like we kind of help people just for, we've all been there where we're maybe driving and see someone on the side of the road with a sign. And I know I'm always like so uncomfortable because I want to like do the right thing, but then I'm like, am I supposed to give them money? So I think you've really helped just, you know, roll down your window, say hi, ask for their name, tell them you'll be praying for him, him or her, if that's all you can do. It goes a long way for for a lot of folks just to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. just really to be acknowledged as a human. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about kind of more generally speaking, if people do want to get involved, a little more involved in their community, whether it's like serving at a homeless shelter or something like that. I mean, I feel like the classic example of, you know, let me go volunteer at the soup kitchen, but a lot of homeless ministries have come so much further than that. So any recommendations for people who want to get more involved? I think a good place to start is the United Way that is in your community. They usually know a lot of the resources that are available and there are all different kinds of ways to get involved you could do laundry for the shelter (laughs) and that is a way to be helping folks because they always need those sheets cleaned every night it's a role to fill so it it doesn't have to be the human interaction at least to start with part of things for you to be playing a part to help folks who are in a homeless situation. Mm -hmm. The United Way is a good place to start. Your church might know of different resources in the community. Your church might even have a part of a ministry helping with mental illness or helping with substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So those are two great places, United Way and your church. Okay, cool. Yeah, great ideas. Thank you. Last but not least, were there any other resources that you like to give people like any books that you really enjoy or anything like that, just if they want to learn more about the topic? Yes, yes, there there are quite a few good books. I'm looking at these on my shelf that have impacted me. One is called When Helping Hurts. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. So that is something that social work students study, um, the idea that Sometimes when we think we're helping, we're really doing more damage than good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a good one. Another one kind of along those lines is Toxic Charity. Okay. That's by Bob Lupton. That's a good book to read about that. And um, a book that I read while I was living in the shelter, this is an experiential book of someone kind of that kind of went into homelessness intentionally, like I did, you know, living in the shelter. It's called Under the Overpass. Okay. And that'll kind of give you a case study of somebody that went different places in the country, living in a homeless situation and how they were treated, what the interactions were like. Oh, cool. Wow. That sounds really interesting. Well, great recommendations. And you have a book yourself, right? Yes. Yes. I, I, I documented... God's work through me and through See You at Home in a memoir. It's called More Than Enough. 
Okay. And it tells a story really of the birth of the ministry and the growing pains and the victories and takes you on that journey through the basically eight years from the idea starting that first canteen run. The first page is the experience on that first canteen run. That's awesome. Well, lots of great resources. And I always like to ask my guests, if you had to pick one main message that you want our listeners to walk away with today, um, what would that message be? Dignity. Everyone deserves dignity. Mm -hmm. Each person, man, woman, child, whether they have a place to live or don't have a place to live, they're made in the image of God. Imago Dei, Mm -hmm. made in the image of God. Think about that. The next time you come across someone who's maybe asking for money or help with gas, Mm -hmm. remember that they're made in the image of God and offer them your dignity and your listening ear. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's really good. And A lot of what you shared reminded me of a conversation I had a few months back with my friend Chris, who we did a a podcast episode about racial reconciliation, and he talked a lot about privilege and just how we have to be reminded of the fact that like so much of what we have and so many of the advantages we have in life are, you know, they have nothing to do with the choices that we've made or good things we've done, you know, like the fact that we get to have homes and we speak English and we, you know, got to go to school. A lot of those things are not because of anything we did right. (laughs) And I feel like what we talked about today just reminded me so much of that, that we have so much privilege compared to people without an address. And it's probably not because of great choices that we made, you know, it's because of the circumstances we were born into and we're blessed because of it. And so we can turn around and bless others who weren't given that those chances. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Okay. Now you already gave us a couple books that you enjoy. So maybe you already answered this question, but if you had to pick one, what's the most impactful book that you've read? Aside from the Bible, <laughs> which definitely has had the most impact. Right. There's a book called Radical, Taking Your Faith Back from the American Dream. And that book is actually a big part of what God used in my life to start See You at Home. Over the next mainly four years, I bought more than a couple thousand copies. Well, I was living in the homeless shelter for 18 of those months and didn't have a salary and one way or another, God gave me the money to buy these books to put into people's hands. So I, I, I very much believe in the message of Radical. Mm. Another good recommendation that I have to add to my list. All right. Well, if people want to connect with you or learn more about See You at Home or read your book, what, where's the best place to go? The best place to find me and to find out about See You at Home is the book website. It's called More Than Enough, the book.com. And you can get in touch with me there. There are links to See You at Home there, links to the Phoenix documentary. So I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to engage with you thinking about this issue. Just take your questions and kind of brainstorm ways that you might be involved or questions you have about your kids being involved with this. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. 
Well, Melanie, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. This is a topic I've wanted to learn about for a long time because, again, there's a lot of mixed messages out there about how to really help and uh, so many stereotypes and misconceptions. And I think you did such a great job addressing those and educating people on, like you said, a really big tragedy in our country, but something that we are all empowered now to do something about. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us and for the work that you're doing and for bearing with me and all the baby noises. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Sure, sure. And thanks so much. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure speaking with you and I don't, I don't get to talk about this much anymore. So yeah, it was nice. Dignity. Such a simple message, but such an important one, right? Even though homelessness is a huge problem, I love that something as simple as giving eye contact and saying hi can make a difference in someone's life. I can't help but think, what if we all did that with every person without an address that we encountered? What kind of collective impact would that have? It's so exciting to think about, so I hope you feel equipped to help. Make sure you check out some of the books Melanie recommended if you want to learn more. You can find the links to all of those in the show notes. And the links to connect with us and buy some Choose Happiness dog treats are also there. You can view the show notes on whatever app you're listening on or on my website, heartfelthuppy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show too so that you get notified when my next episode is available next week. Subscribing is easy. Just click the subscribe button next to the name of the show and you're done. Don't forget about leaving a rating and review as well. And until next time, remember that everyone has a story. Remember that everyone is deserving of dignity and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.